irony of this whole conversation is that I had a complete <laughs> crazy Tuesday where my washer malfunction was like leaking everywhere. I had like men in my apartment. Uh, I live in New York, so you can imagine how tight quarters that was. And the whole time I'm laughing because I'm texting Joe like, I need five minutes. I need five minutes. And I'm like laughing because I'm like, I think I need like a therapy session because I want to literally like chug a g- bottle of wine and um cry a little bit because I'm having big girl, you know, house problems. And um, yeah, I just think it proves the point that uh, despite this conversation being very much focused on sports psychology, uh, mental health is a thing for us all, us washups, us players, um, us people. So yes, um, it's just, uh, this one is going to be great. Actually, honestly, I feel like it speaks for itself. I, I, it's awesome. Yeah, no, I love it. And I'm, you know, as a wash up, I'm a little, I'm going to toot my own horn on this. Uh, we got it, uh, connected via LinkedIn. This is how that this pod oh, came yeah. to, well, this has how this, you, yeah, this, this has how the pod came to fruition, uh, LinkedIn. It was my first, um, you know, I've been on LinkedIn cause I was you great a, creating connections. I was, a, I was a dropout of the Keenan Flagler business school. Cause I hated it. And, um, so we had to have a LinkedIn there. And I've just kind of somewhat kept it going. I love and, it. I love and it. now, you know, bearing the fruits of my Keenan Flagler business school, we connected via LinkedIn and here we are with this pod. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, and just proves a greater point that LinkedIn is not just for us corporate professionals. You can be on there as, as a professional athlete because it matters. So um, I love that. It I matters. think that's awesome. Or a coach hundred percent as a coach, we all are grading connections and it's all intertwined. Um, but we won't babble too much because, uh, this one's a long one. I think everything he says is really important. And, uh, let's hope this is the beginning of some real progress, um, within the league, because there's some cool partnerships you're going to learn about and resources that are available to us all at a really low cost. So, um, enjoy it. Enjoy this one with Dr. Miller. Okay. Should we clap? Should we do the clap? Oh, wow. Boom. Yeah. Right. It I just helps Tina know to start. Yeah. You're official. And I also love a good introduction. We have Dr. Brad Miller on the pod today, a former demon deacon. A fe- yes. Go Deeks. Founder of Soccer Resilience and a clinical psychologist for over 20 years. We have a very knowledgeable man on our pod today. Thank you so much for taking the time and just chatting with us. Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. And I got to admit that I I learned that you guys are ACC foes. We got Carolina yes. and UVA here. But yes, I still yep, be we do. It's okay, we can all be friends now, right? Yeah. It's, Listen, it's post, best conference in women's soccer and men's soccer. That's a fact. Yeah, yeah. That is definitely powerhouses for sure. That's right. uh, yeah. Well, let's jump right in. Um, we have so much to talk to you about, um, especially kind of trying to utilize this hour on all your knowledge. Um, so let's start off a little bit about you, you know, you, your passion for soccer, obviously being a former player, um, and this transition you've made in your career to sports psychology. Um, how did you go from being Brad Miller, the men's soccer player, men's ACC champ to now Dr. Brad Miller, um, practicing clinical psychology, um, and, you know, working now directly with athletes and kind of this, uh, new journey. I don't want to say it's new because I know that sports psychology has been around for a while, but I feel like it's definitely being utilized more and so desperately needed, um, as you know, us wash ups, but at one point <laughs> top tier athletes, 
can say was um, very much needed at the the height of our careers. So yeah, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, and that's actually a big part of uh, why I love working with athletes. So um, like both of you, you know, soccer um, was something I just loved playing um, as a kid. You know, I was a kind of center back, this big, tall, kind of blue collar player. Um, and yeah, love it. Me. Yeah, and I, I, you center back as well? A little bit. I played left back in college, but I got that height, so I played a lot of center back. Yeah. You know, but I'm always a fan of the defense, you know, we got to get our love when we can. That's right. So, um, you know, so, so I love to compete and, and, and it really was kind of my therapy as a kid. That's where I would just go to get away from the stress of things. And my senior year got recruited to go to Wake Forest. And it was when Wake first really became kind of the top 20 program. Um, and I honestly, I had a lot of work to do. I was like a, you know, my defensive skills are really strong, but my technical skills were not. True story. We had probably 25 people in the roster my freshman year. I was literally like 24th or 25th. Like if you drove by the field and you'd be like, is that the coach's son? They're just letting like play. Like what's that guy doing with the ball, right? My technical skills were not nearly where they needed to be. I was a liability. Defensively, I was pretty strong, but I was a liability. So I knew, okay, Brad, you got to grind. You got to persevere. Just grind, grind. It's going to be slow but you can get there. And so I did, you know, I'd, I'd progressed throughout you know, the lineup over time. My last year, I got some significant starts and that was great. I kind of knew what was in front of me, but I was totally unprepared for performance anxiety. And it really hit me out of the blue. I never had it as a youth player. I was, you know, pretty confident. Um, you had to certainly make mistakes, have some poor games, but I didn't really worry about losing my spot. I didn't worry about, okay, now someone else is going to be in there. I'm going to have to, you know, not get as much playing time. Our coach is going to yank me. So it was totally unfamiliar for me to just have to work so hard to just maybe, maybe get in a game, you know, and to make the top 18. And so my brain just kind of got hijacked and all of a sudden I would just overthink a lot. I would worry about a lot of mistakes I made in practice. And then I would worry about making future mistakes. And that certainly impacted me and my confidence, uh, my performance, um, and definitely my enjoyment. You know, we were fortunate when ACC championships and my best friends today are still from that time at Wake. Um, but, but I just, when I graduated, I, I just had this regret and I'm like, God, why, why couldn't you have figured it out? And the answer is I didn't go and try to get any help. I literally just kept it so to true. myself. I just was like, well, Brad, you just grind, grind, grind. And there's a point to where that just doesn't work. You got to have a different strategy. Yeah. Right. But so I kept it to myself, suffered in silence. Uh, I was actually talking to a friend of mine last week, his son, um, he's looking for some tips for him. And I said, well, Quasi, you know that I, you know, like had a performance anxiety wake, right? And he's like, what? I'm like, yeah, you didn't know that? <laughs> like, no. I'm like, yeah, I totally did. And that's the response I get from most of my friends, right? So on the outside, it looked like I was an okay inside. I was not. And yeah. so, you know, when I became a psychologist, started working with the athletes, it was so rewarding because they would have some of those struggles too, right? They would get in their head. They were like, why when I play in a game, does that not translate, right? I'm in practice skills are sharp, but then the games come or I, I lose confidence, those big moments, I'm just not the way I want to be. So they try all these strategies, they come back and go, this stuff is actually helping. And I'm getting more confident and I'm enjoying it more. I'm not feeling burnout. I'm actually playing better. And it was really rewarding. And I thought, okay, this is awesome, but how can we reach more people? So I thought, what about meeting with teams instead of just one-on-one? So about three years ago in San Diego, um, I started working with some uh, youth teams in San Diego and it was super cool. Like I would, afterwards they come and have to ask questions and do things. I was like, I was hooked. Like, this is awesome. This is great. And so, um, but then the pandemic came and doing in-person sessions was not as much of an option. And I did a Zoom session 
full disclosure, never done Zoom in my life. Yeah. You know, my kids mm-hmm. are like, oh my God, dad, it's not that hard, right? Like, <laughs> now Zoom. all we do is Zoom. Right, now I do is Zoom. And I was like, wait, this is actually kind of cool. Like you can do a whole club through Zoom, right? It's really pretty simple. And so then I was like, well, wait a minute. I know a bunch of guys I played with who were coaching and, you know, in different states. I'm like, this is kind of cool. Maybe I could actually grow it. Um, I linked up with Wells Thompson. Uh, Wells also played at Wake Forest. He was a nine-year pro um, MLS cup champion um, with the Colorado Rapids. And he just put out a quote and just said, Hey, you know, someone had commented about some anxiety and depression. He just said, Hey, you know what? I struggled with that, that transition at retirement. It was really hard yep. for me. And I just said, Hey, super cool. You put it out there. I don't really know. I know Wells cause it's part of the, you know, alumni. The Wake fan. Yeah. Yep. I hadn't met him and I was just like, Hey, that's so cool. You put that out there. Thanks for you know, showing people from Winston and Wake Forest, you know what I mean? That you're you know, able to talk about that stuff. That's going to help me when I work with athletes to say, look, here's a, you know, professional soccer player who says he can struggle with this at times. So that means this is a really common thing. And he sent me something back nice and we started talking and we had really similar passions. We both really want to make an impact on a lot of people. Um, we believe the time is kind of right. So we linked up about a year ago and said, let's do it. We started Soccer Resilience um, about three months later. We met up with Matt Spear, who is um, uh, the head coach at Davidson for 18 years, actually was their final four captain back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt and I were ironically teammates with the Winston-Salem twins. I was a center back and he was ah. a center so kind of a cool way to reconnect with him after all those years. You never know what those relationships come back, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so we linked up and Matt was the president of Richmond kickers for a couple of years and just really liked mine. We were like, okay, this is great. Now we've got, you know, we got Wells, myself, Matt, and like, okay, so we're three white guys. So <laughs> we need some other perspectives, right? We need some yeah, other, sure. other ideas in here, right? The world's sure. big and it's not just that. So we're like, okay, so let, let's see how we can get some other ideas and viewpoints. And so um, Wells met up with Jess and he was like, yep. oh my God, you guys got to talk to Jess. And so we did. And just, you know, her, her story, her, her goals, her mission very much aligned. And so like, this is awesome. So we all are the four founders of Soccer Resilience. We also have a partner, John Blake. Um, I was coaching with Carolina, who's awesome. He tries out all this stuff with his teams, which is super cool. Comes back. He's like, hey, like true story. Listen to this. So John's talking to his team. And they uh, had beaten the, the, this highly ranked team the week, uh, about a couple days before. So they win the game, right? Three to two. The mm-hmm. next game they played, they have like four kids out because of COVID and they got hammered like seven zero. Uh-huh. And he goes, Brad, guess what I did on the bus? Okay. <laughs> oh boy. He goes, he goes, I told him, look, I know you guys are upset because they were super mad. He goes, we're going to breathe right now. We're all going to breathe for a minute. Okay. We're just going to breathe. And now we're going to think about this. And he got them to breathe and they actually did it. They breathed for a minute. They got more to control and he goes, okay, look, right. Then his speech, some version of, you know, Hey, that's over. We got a game. Let's go back to it. He goes, and they were open to it. I'm like, you did that on the bus. So that's John, awesome. He's my hero. So it's like, he's always like, dude, I tried this. I tried this. I tried this. Um, so yeah, we just have a really good team. We've been so fortunate. We have a lot of ambassadors, just like-minded people. Um, yeah, it's honestly like I dreamt of this 10 years ago, never, ever thought it would be this big, never thought I'd have teammates, which is the best part. Yeah, (laughs) that's awesome. I love one. I love the North Carolina side of everything. I'm a Raleigh kid. So that makes me happy. Um, a quick fact. So Joe, you played at Raleigh Sanderson, correct? I did. So I didn't play, I went to Sanderson, but I didn't play for Sanderson. Okay. 
but I went to Sanderson. Genesis. My high school, my junior year, we're the underdog team. We get to the state final. Who do we play? Okay. Raleigh Sanderson. <laughs> well, our boys were really, really good at that I time. Know. Yeah. <laughs> they had the longest winning streak in the nation. They hadn't lost like 80 games. Yeah. Black Carolina's field, right? The old school field. I'm like, uh-huh. okay, here we go. Boom. They scored in the first minute. It was 4-0 at half. It was Jeez. the hardest game of my life. Yeah, they're so legends. Brutal. Yeah, yeah the, they were legends then. That's awesome. I love I love all the connections and I love all the connections that we're able to use on the pod. That's just what I love just about the podcast, side note on that. Um, but just kind of tell the listeners exactly what soccer resilience is. So if I'm a, a kid, if I'm an ECNL kid, if I'm a professional, if I'm a wash up, what are what is it exactly? If I'm a fan listening and about to throw that follow on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Please follow us on social. We have a ton yes. of really cool information. Great follow. Me and Joe yeah. can mm-hmm. attest. Great. Oh, follow. Well, thank you. I, yes. I love it. That. That's, that's Wells Thompson and John Blake. They are, are, are the uh, so, uh, social media ninjas. They're awesome. They did a great job. Um, so what soccer resilience is, and really the name kind of gives you a clue, right? So we really want to help you on the field. We want to help you gain that confidence help you get more fulfillment, and we want you to perform, you know, it, it, it the way we know you can. That's a big part of what we do. We also are going to weave in ways to help you be resilient, not only on the field, kind of managing those challenges, but also off the field, and that's a huge focus of what we do. One of our core beliefs is it's more than an athlete. You know, it's going <laughs> to service the whole player in a holistic way, and so if anybody's interested in our services, um, you know, we work with youth teams, we work with college teams, um, in the pro game, uh, now uh, we're going to be uh, the Sports Mindset Advisors for the USLW League, which we're super pumped about mm-hmm. this year. Saw that. And we are the NWSLPA uh, Sports Mindset Advisors. We actually had our first uh, training session. We're doing that free for each team with Kansas City last uh, week, which is just super cool. Um, just trying to put resources in front of people to help them uh, to learn. So uh, we, we kind of, our main services is, well, I, I guess our foundation is we really have four pillars of soccer resilience that sort of, this is going to help you kind of, uh, what you can get from, from working with us. And one of that is that ability to kind of take control. That first pillar we call take control, it's really in kind of two parts. The first part's your mind. We really want to help you with the mindset, understand how the brain has a negative bias. It's going to take us to negative places. So just a quick question. Do you guys know what percentage of the daily thoughts are negative? The average person, the average day, Oof. what percent of negative thoughts? Joe, you go first. Len- Joe, go first, then I'll go, and I want to see who's closer. Thoughts. I'm gonna. This is. I'm gonna say like seventy percent. Okay, I've got a guess for today. Right, what do you say... think? Yeah. Price is right. Higher or low? Go. I'm gonna go higher. I think it's like closer to eighty. Ooh, Tina. Yes, you get the go. Oh, it's eighty. Eighty. So just think about that for a second. 80% of our daily thoughts, I'm not even talking about a really hard, difficult day like you're having Tina before we got on the, on the call, right? <laughs> like just the yeah. average day. Everyone, I'm having washer dryer shoes. If anyone <laughs> wants to know about them. Yeah. So it's 80%, right? So imagine Golly. a really hard day. So a huge part of it's self-awareness. You know, self-awareness is 50% of change. And it's because it's really hard. There are a ton of stuff I don't notice. As a psychologist, I should notice way more than this. Is why, Dr. Miller, this is why I buy my tissues at Trader Joe's. I'm there when you're sad. There you go. (laughs) That's awesome. This is positive notes to myself because apparently 80% of my day is me saying negative things. (laughs) Tissues remind me. 
anyway. Yeah, and, and we do, right? So just knowing that is so huge. So we help players understand how the brain works, the mind works, why it steers us to the negative so much. And then, of course, playing soccer. Well, I mean, you both know as players, it's not hard to imagine where the brain can take us. Worrying about the things that a deep dark didn't. hole. <laughs> totally, right? You know, it's like, you guys ever had that experience where it's like five things go well and maybe one or two don't, and it's after the game you're walking off and your brain just keeps replaying. Oh yeah, go well. Oh yeah. Yes, that's why. Like for me, um, when I was playing, even in college, like I had to immediately watch the game after in order to like kind of recorrect some of the things, mental images that I had in my mind. So I'd be like, okay, you didn't have 18 incomplete passes you're just like replaying one or two of them in your head so by oh. visually seeing it it allowed me to be like okay it wasn't that bad like calm down that is an awesome strategy i really like that, that that's a great one and so you know that's really a lot of what is in that first step take control right just understanding our negative thoughts prone to go there and then how do we steer our mind right kind of more that resilient mindset that growth mm -hmm. mindset that kind of process focus so then we say okay and then how do we get control of our emotions, right? Our focus, our right. being in the moment. And, you know, we give them lots of tools and strategies and a huge part, you know, for your listeners, if you have not invested or tried or learned deep diaphragmatic belly breathing, please, please, please do it. It is the most effective, quickest way to really gain control back of the thoughts and emotions. And then you can try to figure out what you're going to do. And it is so powerful. It's awesome. I was super skeptic when I first learned about breathing. I was one of the last people to get on board. All my friends were like, yeah, dude, this stuff works. I'm like, no, no, no. And then when I did, I'm like, oh man, that this, it's great. So we really just teach them those strategies, right? To regain control. Because honestly, when you feel in control of your thoughts and emotions and how you can respond to what happens, that is so powerful. So that's where we put a big focus. Then we go, okay, now let's dive a little bit into your purpose. That's our second pillars, develop purpose. And, you know, we often don't really know a lot of why we do something. We kind of have a general idea, but we really kind of harness it, right? So we dive deep into it, kind of go, what's that deep, meaningful purpose for you? And once they kind of recognize it, then we give them strategies to really harness it and use it to really help build that confidence, that motivation and perseverance. And then we go, okay, third pillar is build perseverance. All players know how to persevere, right? Most of us, like how many times, just uh, have you guys heard the phrase when you were playing, suck it up, push through it. You're fine. It's okay. Yeah. Quite a bit. <laughs> right. yeah. That's kind of what we get. Right. And again, like that's a skill. That's a good thing to do, like push through, but what happens when it doesn't work? I know I kind of referenced that earlier. So we come in and say, okay, you can be more aware. Notice those spots where you get stuck, right? For some people, it's when I make a poor cross or miss a sitter, or, you know, I, I lose a ball out of bounds on the sideline coach yells at me, whatever it is. And there's certain things that can then make it really hard to keep going. So we help you recognize that. We give you a plan. We go, okay, let's predict the challenge. Let's give you a plan for them. And then you practice it and practice over and over. So we begin your brain's trained to kind of do it. And that last pillar is enhanced performance, right? Everybody wants to try to get their real skills and abilities out of them and even grow a little bit beyond. And so we really kind of help them learn some things that are key for that. And, and one thing I love is to talk about optimal performance versus peak performance. So peak performance, right, is that like, okay, here's the top of the pyramid. And it's something we build to, we hope at game day we have that. But a lot of times we don't have peak performance because it's truly our best. And then we can go into the uh-oh mode and, well, I'm not really good enough or I'm not adding to my team. And then we kind of go to a dark place and, and our performance drops, our confidence lowers. So when we talk about optimal performance, 
how do you really lock in to go, okay, I may not be the best. My ankle may be really bothering me. I'm kind of stressed about grades or a relationship or family. And so that's kind of taken away. So I'm not going to be at my best, but you know what, if I'm at about 80%, let's strive to get hundred percent out of that 80, right? And there's sure. value in that. And if you can get players to buy into that, they don't fear not being at their peak. They can go, okay, today might not be that day, but I'm going to get as much out of me as I can. And when right. you focus on that and you reward yourself for it, then you're like, yeah. And you're ready to go for the next one. Dr. Brad, I think yeah. you may be very proud of me because I actually, so do you know Scotty Schweitzer out of NC state? He runs next level Academy. No, I don't. Okay. So he's phenomenal, but, um, he okay. always would tell the kids. Um, so it's Academy from U seven to U 12. And like, these are these little kids, big eyed, bushy tail looking at them. And like, he can always tell when they're, they've had like EOGs or like these big tests and he'll tell them like, he'll say the exact thing. If you can give me 60% today, that's all you can give me, but give me a hundred percent of that 60%. And it's actually interesting because I coach at CSU and, um, I was actually having the same exact conversation with my head coach about one of her girls kind of had a tweak. And I literally went up to her and told her the exact same thing. And she went, Oh, Okay. And she scored. So that's, I think that's, that's like cool. my favorite, that is my favorite tool trick in the bag. Like, I love that one. I love it. I've obviously been to a lot of sports psychiatrists, but I love that yeah. one. Well, I think what's so fascinating about that point too, is that, um, I have found in my career and a lot of conversation with other athletes is also just like normalizing those thoughts. Um, I always now tell myself like thoughts are thoughts and, Oftentimes I, I felt like in my career and in my life, I've let my thoughts take so much weight in my life and control me so deeply when I am actually in control, but I have convinced myself that I'm not. And I think normalizing that thought too, of like, we're humans too, right? We have the same issues. We have burdens outside of the sport. You are going to have days that are 70% and nothing is wrong with you. You are not, not mentally tough or not giving a hundred percent. If you can only give that 70, um, and I just think it's a, the work that you're doing is helping us as athletes normalize these thoughts and ideas where for, I know for a lot of my life, the same way you can like, um, it, it becomes like one thing to the next. You're constantly, it's like one negative thought turns into two, turns into three, turns into four and on and on and on versus now it's like, okay, look, I'm having a bad thought. I'm recognizing that. And I don't feel like I'm on an Island. I recognize that's normal. Like it's normal to, to have those kind of feelings. Um, and part of, you know, one thing that we're really excited about and wanted to get into is, um, we wanted you to talk about kind of in your experience right now in your practice, like what are some trends specifically that you're seeing across, um, sports, but even more so the NWSL, um, and obviously this great new partnership that you have, um, with the NWSLPA. How do you feel based on what you're seeing you guys, what kind of impact do you think you can make, um, for frankly, a lot of women in the league that I feel personally, um, are just not being served in the way they should from a mental perspective. Um, especially now, you know, just in understanding the whole psychology of sport, right? Like I remember Steve, my coach in college, always being like soccer is actually like 70% mental. Like it's so mental in a game that oftentimes even the most talented players don't perform at their peak because of that fact. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see like what your goals are from the PA perspective, but also kind of things and trends you're seeing that are pretty prevalent, um, in our sport currently. 
Yeah, so so maybe I'll start with the, the support and income to the DN Ten Millers LPA. You know that um, it, it has been so heartwarming for me this last year to see so many people, athletes, uh, different sports, male, female, different ages, veterans, rookies. You know, being able to really share their mental health challenges, and I think it's been so courageous and powerful. Um, there's many times sure. where I'll work with someone and I go, here, I want you to watch this video. I want you to see what this person has to say, what he or she's going to say and share with you. And just like Kristen Press, right? When she comes out, mm-hmm. hey, I'm going to take time off to work on my you know, mental health, process some things, work through some grief. That is so powerful because now somebody else, even if they're not even an athlete that goes through that, that sees like, wow, I mean, you talk about, you know, all the things she's mentally able to do and take on the stress and challenges and perform. Okay, and she needs time away too. She needs help to regroup. She's that recovery. Simone Biles. I mean, literally removed herself from an Olympic medal contention, which I think was probably one of the most courageous things ever. Yeah, and and, and, you know, the thing that was, I'm guessing you guys saw this too, that was so disappointing for me was when she said she just stepped back and people were coming out going, oh, she was afraid of not getting a gold. She was just, you know, she was afraid of losing. And I'm like, you have no idea, right? And then, of course, all she's been through, the awful things she's been, the abuse, mm-hmm. and how that got activated for her. And, you know, for people to to, to not see that was really disappointing. But it was also incredibly wonderful how many athletes came in and said, yeah, we're with you. We're with you. We're with you. Yeah, we 100% support you. It's like Naomi Osaka, right? The same thing. How many people are stepping up? You know, Kristen Press. Um, so I think that as far as the landscape of, I think there's more, it's more it's getting a little bit more comfortable to talk about, right? On your podcast, the times you talk about it, players come in and share their stories, right? And maybe 10 yep. years, that's just not really happening yeah. at all. Exactly. Um, and so I think that there's there's a lot of positive trends that way. Um, still, obviously, a lot of work to do. They probably will continue to be a lot of work in all of our lifetimes for that to happen, but it's definitely getting better. Um, you know, I think that, that people are starting to see the value. And if you put the word mental before anything, people get kind of spooked. Yeah. So if you go mental training, it's like, oh, and if you mention mental health, then it's like a lot of people are like, but if you go, okay, let's talk about mental fitness, right? Let's talk about, you know, uh, mindset training. And it's like, okay, that kind of fits a little bit better. Um, So with the NWSLPA, you know, I I have no idea what it's like to be a professional player there. Um, You know, Carrie Ricardo, one of our ambassadors, the courage, um, you know, and Jess, you know, we ask a lot of questions and try to kind of learn other professional athletes that I've talked to in WSL, really just try to learn from them. And I'll, I'll be honest that I, I was shocked at how there aren't as many resources available. And many players would say, when I was at college, I got better mentor skills training than I did as a yeah. pro, you know, and, and I've talked to some players in MLS who said the same thing, like, oh, my college, that's where I learned my mental game. But at the pro level, there really aren't access to that. And that's even more so for NWSL players. And so, um, you know, we are so, so excited to really try to be at the forefront of helping them get access to information, helping them get access to services. Um, And so how we're going to do that, each team's going to get a free mental training session. Um, And that's really designed to just kind of be like an introduction to, you know, just sort of like wellness, mental health. Here's some tips to take with to enhance your game too. And here's where you can go. Um, and so something that we're doing as well, I know you guys had asked about like, what do we offer as soccer resilience? One of the things we offer, so we do sort of zoom training sessions. Um, we're going to get to in-person, hopefully as things kind of get better, you know, where that mm-hmm. is, 
um, but we do that. Uh, we also do, um, we have a, a Soccer Resilience FC Online Academy, and that's really like a content library. We have like session plans, we have videos, we have PDFs, and that's for kind of segments for parents, for players and coaches. And what's really neat about it, it's got so much information, so many pros sharing stories, examples of what you can do, because we just aren't really taught what to do when we work for challenge, right? We struggle with our confidence, our wellness. Um, and so we're gonna give that half off to the NWSL players. So it's $50 for them. That's literally a dollar, almost a dollar yeah. a week. So we're like, that's okay, incredible. That, we're like, that's got to be hopefully in the budget, right? You sacrifice. Yeah, thank you. Honestly, um, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think any player would say that. And I, I really hope beyond the podcast, I can assure you for me personally, and I'm sure Joe feels the same way. I will be pushing that to any of my friends yeah. in the league because it's just so important. It's there's so just critical. so many, there's so many other factors where I think it's interesting that you said, um, you know, with NWSL and MLS players, they learn from their college experience and your college experience. The pretty much only thing you have to worry about is school and soccer. And then when you get to the professionals, it's like your salary, how much so you make, factors. like your housing, your friend, like your relation. There's so many more things that are like difficult to handle that, you know, it's almost like you really need that person in college to follow you through to yeah. the pros. And I think that's amazing what you, what you're doing. And yes, thank you as a former NWSL wash up. That's awesome. That is really, really cool. Um, so I kind of want to get in this and I'm, I'm curious, have you seen the Marty fish documentary on Netflix? No. Oh, okay. Well you it's, you need to write it down because it's a must must wash. Do you know who he is? No. Okay, so he, to give a little background, anybody listening, definitely watch it. I watched it a couple nights ago. Um, he's a, a former American tennis player, and he um, grew up with Andy Roddick, and he was kind of the shadow underneath Andy Roddick. Well, he finally, like, started to take care of himself, take care of his tennis, and, like, when Andy retired, he became the guy. And um, all of a sudden, like, he finally is up there, and it's New York, uh, the Open, us open and he's going to play the quarterfinals against Federer, and he's in the car and is having so much performance anxiety that he actually does not play the match and i think it was around like 2016 or 2015 that this happened and it's a whole documentary of how performance anxiety and how he's one of the the first kind of people to actually you know, come out and, and later and be like, I actually had to pull myself because I was not mentally capable of playing. Like I was in such a mental kind of frenzy that I could not play. Um, definitely watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. Now. yeah. 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 Definitely watch it. So I guess my question with that is what in your opinion is how can we address and identify anxiety in sports as well, kind of you touch on is how do, how do we destigmatize that kind of negative con connotation of, you know, being mentally weak? I think that's, that's something that all athletes fear. Um, how do we kind of go about that? And then how do we kind of address and identify anxiety and depression? Cause I think it's rampant. Yeah, no, no, it is for sure. Those are great questions. If I miss parts of that question, please, please. Remind I know me. it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think, you know, how, how do we help athletes maybe kind of be uh, destigmatized for athletes mm -hmm. and I think, you know just for example like like us doing a mental training session right that's one way to do it um i think that if you can have a coach this is this is what i i love coaches that do this they come in and say hey 
you know, I just want to let you know, this is the experiences I had as a player. And you know what? I had times when I worked so hard in training, I felt ready to go. And the moment came and all of a sudden, maybe I was doing pretty well in the game, but then I just kind of got hijacked. And all of a sudden my performance drops, my confidence drops, and I'm not playing as well. And I go in this negative kind of place and I had a hard time getting out of it. And I maybe didn't really know a lot of strategies to do it. And I see my teammates go through that. And I just want you to know, all of you are going to have those moments this season. It's going to happen. Let's not fear it. Let's not dread it. Let's just say it's going to happen. But let's be prepared for it. So when that starts to happen, you know, let's talk about what we can do. Maybe you want to talk to a friend, a teammate, and just say, hey, here's what I saw. Like, Joe, your example, like, gosh, you know, say you and Tina are teammates. You're like, so Tina, like, I made like, eight, I'm, I had like 18, like, you know, missed passes, right? And she's like, are you serious? You're like, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're like, no, it's maybe like a couple, right? If you got a friend, right, some way just to sort of be able to get that out. Like when it's in our head, we just confirm the reality and yep. then it becomes the truth. So true. And it's so hard to fight that back, right? So if we've got somebody we can talk to, if it's a teammate. Now, I know a lot of times it can be really tough because that can be your competition. Some locker rooms are like we're a team, we're a unit. Whether you play or not, we all work together. And some it's super hyper competitive. And, you know, we're all three going for the same spot and there's no way I'm telling anybody what's going on with me because they're going to use that against me and the coaches are going to find out and go, okay, well, Miller's not able to handle the pressure. Let's put in Tina, let's put in Joe, right? And so I know that's a, a huge stressor for athletes, collegiate athletes, uh, you know, pro athletes, even youth athletes sometimes too. Mm -hmm. So if there's a coach who can do that, that's a huge thing. Just any statement to say, this is going to happen. Here's the resources available. If the club doesn't frankly have them, here's somebody you can talk to, you know, or here's some videos that you can watch that might give you some tools and strategies, but just to steer them somewhere, that would be huge. Um, and better yet, have them just bring in a couple of videos, if, if you're not, and just say, if you don't have like uh, the resources available, here's a couple of videos talking about that, just to make that comfortable. So let's have a locker room where we can be emotionally supportive of each other. We try to be a team. And then that gives us the space to do it. And so then the idea would be, so when a player you know, coaches are like, yeah, hey, how are you feeling today? And I go, um, I'm at like a, I'm like a seven. Okay. Well, you know what you learned about, you know, like breathing, right? Why don't you go do some four, two, four for a minute, Brad, and get yourself back in and we're ready to go. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's do it. And then you redirect them. And I'm like, oh, coach isn't going to freak out if they find out that I'm stressed. You know what I mean? They're going to direct me to a tool. So right. obviously the coach needs to have that language and those tools on board. But I think one way to help is having a coach do that. Um, if not, if there's maybe some players, right. Who can share a story personal experiences they've had. Here's what's helped me get that information out. Um, ideally, there would be maybe like at least a couple to refer to as a counselor, something they can go check in with. If they're not comfortable, which sometimes we're not there yet, right, then I refer a ton of people to YouTube. You know, um, for a lot of male athletes I work with, I'm like, go watch DeMar DeRozan and Michael Phelps yep. talk for 20 wow. minutes. Yep. And mm -hmm. it is the most powerful video. Like I, I wa I've watched it so many times. I still get like, goosebumps in a watch because I'm just like man I freaking love it right <laughs> yeah just like lay that out in an honest way I don't mean to cut you off but I just yeah. want to get this in while you're on the topic um yeah. and I'm curious about this is in regards to relatability right and I know we'll have professionals listening to this podcast specifically have you found that um to your point right you're 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 telling them go to YouTube see people in positions of great success who've endured similar things to you have you found in your practice that relatability can oftentimes um, 
help and someone cope with whatever they're going through because in a way again we get back to that idea of normalizing your thoughts and feelings when you know there's somebody who has been successful who has also struggled Um, and the reason I bring that up is because unfortunately on the women's side of things and I don't want to assume but I do think it's a factor we do not have the immense um, compensation that a lot of athletes have on the male side that typically, I don't want to make say that makes them invincible, but I think they're more um, outward by choice just because they don't feel as much threat to like their livelihood. Um, but I wonder, you know, if there may be players who are like on that teeter of like um, wanting to know whether or not it is important for them to share their story I'd be curious. I think it could maybe understanding whether or not that is something that is impactful. It may in a way motivate somebody who has gone through things to be more open about it, knowing that they can potentially impact a young person or somebody even in the league themselves um, get through a really tough time. So I was just curious if that's something that you have seen as kind of an effective thing. Yeah, I, I think it really is. I, I think it's that trust and credibility, right? How do you sort of create that? And, you know, that trust is this person's like sincere, right? They're going to kind of like listen to me. They're not going to go share lots of things. And the credibility, it's like, okay, they, they maybe not the exact same thing, but they've been through some things. And they kind of have a sense of, yeah, what it's like to struggle and, and to do that. And so ideally, someone who has more similarities can build that. But sometimes they're like someone who's totally different. You know what I mean? Like, you know, sometimes you want to find someone who is the same gender or same orientation or same age or different things. Some of kind of is different, but I think that's huge. So, you know, if, if there's a player who can just say, hey, you know, ideally like a veteran who's kind of been through some stuff and just to say, this is tough. And, and maybe some environments and locker rooms, it's not in their best interest to be very vocal to a team. Maybe that's where you trust one or a couple of teammates, right? And, and you're right, yeah. access to resources. I mean, if you're, if you're an NWSL player and you want to go see someone, well, you may not have the money to do that. Often you don't, right? So what do you do instead? Um, so I think it's just trying to kind of be creative. There's no one way to do it. Um, you know, I think Absolutely. YouTube, just articles. So I'm just like a friend, here's an article to read, you know, or if there's the, for example, on this podcast or someone who cares on your podcast, a bunch of them on your podcast, a bunch of like, hey, here's just a podcast. They're just kind of talking about struggles. You might find it interesting whatever you do, but just to open the door, right? Because change is usually a process. It's not like we're like totally resistant to we're totally into it, right? It's usually kind of a change. And so we're kind of contemplating things, whatever can kind of tip those scales a little bit um, to do that. But yeah, ideally it would be wonderful if there were players in every locker room who can just be like, hey, I'm an open book. This is what I went through. Maybe you're going through something somewhat kind of similar, but here's how you can try to navigate it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I always say this about Joe is like, I feel like we have that relationship despite yeah. probably people thinking we're very similar. Um, my struggles came more with like perfectionism, compulsivity, food relationship. Joe had more injury induced anxiety and issues. So um, I always look to her as a source of like a warrior, somebody that I um, have taken a lot of courage from just because I'm like, wow, like what she's gone through. And they're our, our issues are not really that relatable, but it's interesting how, like when they are different, you can find ways of being like, okay, like somebody that I'm close with, I work with every single day has been through the fix of it and has gotten through it. I can do the same. And it motivates me, Joe, you know, I love you. Um, but it's, um, I, I'm just happy to hear that. Cause we, we have, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of people on that have been incredibly vulnerable and, um, 
it's been really special because I know for even myself, it's like, I'm not in the soccer world, but the same issues apply to people that aren't athletes. I mean, every day I struggle with things that my washer breaks and it causes me anxiety, right? Like it sounds stupid, but it's little stuff. Um, so you want to, sorry, Joe, you want to, no, I was just gonna, I was just gonna add to, because I think for me, like I was just kind of a, a token about me is I was diagnosed with OCD at the age of 10. And so it runs in my family. So my older brother has it, um, a little bit more, uh, what's the word stronger, severely, severely than me. But I think for me, something that I consistently have to remind myself is that like these thoughts and these anxieties and all these things, Mm -hmm. like, it's actually like a brain chemical, like you're chemically like not balanced. (laughs) Like, and then that, that kind of makes you be like, okay, so it's like, I'm not psycho. Like it's an actually like a chemically based, like you have to take medication to chemically make that go right, balance you out. And I think that's something that for me is allowed kind of that peace of mind be like, okay, like it's not Joanna Finema. It's also just like how I'm made up chemically. Like it's okay. (laughs) Uh, I think that's also really important to note, especially with anxiety and depression and kind of things like that. I just kind of wanted to add that little token in there. Well, I and, and, that, and, and, and you know too, and I, I appreciate you both, you know, being open to share that. That um, it's you know a, a big theme we have is it's not a you issue, it's a brain issue, mm-hmm. right? And it's right. just so powerful to go, oh, that's what brains do, right? Uh, or it's a body issue, right? If I have exercise induced asthma, my my airways are just more narrow, yeah. right? <laughs> and I need that inhaler or daily and whatever to help them expand. And, you know, I can get mad at myself and say, why is my body do that? How come Mm -hmm. my lungs are built differently than you guys' lungs? But in the day, I didn't really have a choice. It's like my height, I'm 6'3". I don't get any credit for that. I mean, I guess I eat food and, you know, drink or whatever, right? But pretty much out of my control is my eye color. And it's the same thing. But just knowing it's a brain issue. So I think that kind of goes back to Tina's point, too, is normalizing things. Just be like, this is a brain issue. This is how they work. It's so, it's opened up so many doors. When I first meet with people, whether it's through a team or individually, so one of the first things we talk about, you're like, oh, okay, right. Okay, so it's not a me issue, it's a brain issue. Okay, so all those negative critical thoughts about mm-hmm. how defective I am, inadequate I am, not good enough. Okay, that really wasn't true. Okay, it's still probably going to play in my head, but at least now yeah. I know it's not true. So, so it is huge. So um, yeah, every time we can have better understanding of what it is and spend less time going why, 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 now yep. we've got more focus on how we're going to try to get better and, and, and try to improve. Exactly. Yeah. And everything's a spectrum, right? Like I appreciate Joe being so vulnerable and talking about how also there are situations where it can be genetically made up, but also like it can just be you having a, a more severe two ACLs in eight months. React. <laughs> yeah. You could just have a more severe reaction than other people. And that doesn't make you any different. It's just like, we all treat differently. We all experience differently. Um, there's no right or wrong to the process. So on that note, um, no shocker here, both a very um, personal topic to me and Joanna is the idea around perfectionism, um, which both for, for both of us is very um, much an anxiety driven kind of experience that we've gone through in our careers. Um, I know for myself, I still go through it outside of my soccer career. Um, and so I, I wonder, you know, when thinking about that, um, I know for myself, it's, it's very much in a weird convoluted way. Sometimes I've told myself like my perfectionism trait has made me very successful, but in the same sense has been the pit of my downfalls because I know for myself, I've done a very poor job of consistently being 
not satisfied, right? Like not appreciating moments. And then five years later being like, oh my God, I graduated college. Like I never really like credited myself for that. Not that I need to do have a party or anything, but like those are important things that I've earned and it's never enough. When am I going to hit? It's like, I keep getting to the top of the mountain and it's not greener on the other side. So um, can you talk about kind of sustaining what I like to say, like an accountability mindset, right? Like you're still trying to achieve things and perform, but you also don't want to be put in a position of like obsessing over the idea of getting everything perfectly right. Do you have kind of some thoughts around that as well as potentially some strategies around how, um, especially for athletes? Cause I think when you tell them, okay, like immediately their mind goes to, well, if I, my perfectionism's not there, then like, I'm not going to be successful because I'm not going to like want to be better every single day. But also I think there has to be in my mind, there has to be a medium, right? There has to be a way to be accountable, but also not obsessive. Um, therefore not having <laughs> severe anxiety cuts of the fact. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you brought that. And it's really neat that you both couch that in the in realm of anxiety. Because a lot of people understand, they're like, I'm not anxious, I'm just perfectionistic, right? My heart's beating really fast. I'm just a perfectionist. Yeah. Right, right. You know, so, you know, for those of you who aren't familiar, anxiety really is just that what if thinking, like, what if, what if, what if, right? And anxiety is never satisfied. You and I could come up with any scenario and I can play anxiety and it's never satisfied. Now the odds may be super unlikely, but I can still come up with a what if, what if, what if. And so perfectionism, I, I like to tell people that you perfectionism, and I love how you couched it, that every emotion, everything really has sort of a helpful side and an unhelpful side, right? And perfectionism is the same way. I think it's much, much easier to turn something down than to turn it up. So I would much rather be perfectionistic, which is a challenge for me too. Shocker when you have college athletes, that's yeah. goes, right? right. Um, you and professional, you know, like you, Joe, that, you know, that, 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 that perfectionism, it's always easier to turn it down. So it's like being super strong-willed or stubborn, right? It's like, that's a wonderful thing or being really intense. You can learn how to turn it down, but it's hard to get someone to, to push through and are not used to it or to be more yep. emotionally expressive when they're not or to have someone really care and be really driven when they're not. So it's always good to kind of turn it down. And so I think letting people know, where do you see your perfectionism, that desire to achieve high levels, really have high expectations? When is it helpful? When does it benefit you? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then when is it unhelpful? What do you mean? Well, I mean, everything has a downside, right? So when is it unhelpful? And sometimes you do the old school list, like when you do a line down the middle and go mm -hmm. pro and con, do you know what's so cool about that is that when we write stuff down, it makes it stick in our brain more. So literally writing down, I am going to smile on this podcast makes me more likely to think about smiling on a podcast, right? So sometimes that's a cool thing to do and just go, okay, let's just put on paper, right? how it helps, how it doesn't. And so sometimes people really get mad at their perfections and go, ah, why do I have to be so perfectionist and just see it as a negative. And we want them to see, no, 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 there's value to it, which is good. And some people don't notice the downsides. We want them to see that. We go, okay, now, all right, that's in front of us. So we want to keep those benefits, but try to lessen the side effects. And I'll just kind of say, so if you had two medications, one, they both are going to help you get rid of your headache, but one's going to make you throw up, which one do you take? Yeah, right. the one that doesn't make you throw up. <laughs> so let's try to lessen yeah. some of the side effects, right? So I think you want to join people and go, yeah, I want to help you have high expectations, work hard and achieve. You've done it for all your life. It's been super beneficial. That's awesome. 
we are totally going to keep it. Let's just learn how to lessen some of the side effects, right? Some of the downsides to it. And part of that is going to mean they're going to need to accept that they're going to have a plan that is going to be good enough, right? So a big part of it is okay, right? Um, so, if, so if I'm obsessed and I'm like, okay, so I've got to like, you know, three and a half hours, I have to eat this amount of food. Okay, then I'm going to wait an hour, then I'm going to eat fruit, and then we have these kind of liquids, then I'm going to go take a nap, then I'm going to take a shower, then I'm going to get the locker room an hour and a half before, an hour ahead, I go all these kind of things that make me go, that's how you're going to do well today, right? And we can all smile and go, I mean, it helps, but I don't know if it's going to be exactly that way, right? You know, and right. so the brain can kind of trick us that way. And so perfectionism, those high stance, I've got to do things in a certain way. You know, after practice, I'm going to go run on the stairs for 50 minutes in the stadium because nobody else is. That's going to give me the difference. All those kind of things. And so with people with that perfectionism, understanding it's anxiety, it's what if thinking, and, you know, kind of what are they afraid of? What are they worried about happening if they don't go and do an extra 60 minutes of sprint after practice is over? And oftentimes and it's, it's, I'm not going to get playing time. I'm right. not going to break into the lineup or I'm going to lose my spot. I'm going to lose my playing time. And once I do, and Joe or Tina step in and they crush it, I'm pretty much done. It happens right. to everybody. I'm not going to be that person. Right. And so they just sort of have these sort of scripts they have to follow for things to work out. And so it's really helping them kind of challenge them. Right. So I like to have people kind of write down some of those perfectionistic thoughts and then go, okay, how accurate is that? Okay, maybe it's like 90% or 80%. Okay, what's a more accurate way to describe that? Like, okay, that's kind of their new thoughts. Okay, that's where you want to steer your mind. And it's not about being Pollyanna, like, I don't have to train. I'll just, you know, go out and like, you know, fish, yeah. or watch TV, <laughs> and then I'll be the starter and play wonderful. It's not so yeah. Pollyanna, it's just being more accurate. And so it's being able to see a balance. And so their brain is obviously negative. I help them learn about their brain's negative bias too, right? So the perfectionism, it's like, okay, now I understand it's got pros and cons. My brain steers me towards the worry. A lot of those things are false alarms. They're not really that accurate. Here's a more accurate version in my head. And they can come up with sort of a mantra for themselves or an affirmation they can yeah. say, you know, that's very process focused, right? Often if you're more perfectionistic, your mind's going to that fixed mindset idea where it's all outcome-based. I want to keep my status, keep my role, um, I'm really afraid of looking bad and losing my status. And so I just like, it's like, if I'm for that, that, that kind of fixed mindset, it's just like, if I start, it's good. If I score a goal, it's good. If not, it's kind of bad. And really trying to shift them that kind of growth mindset perspective, very yeah. process focused, right? It's really about that ability to just work hard, use strategies, grow and improve. And so trying to shift them from focusing on outcomes to challenging themselves, take on the challenge, feel good about that, right? Work hard, be a good teammate. If you're not starting today. And test those do... thoughts. Yeah. I feel as though like it sounds, um, I don't know how it sounds, but it, I have found for myself, had those thoughts before. And it's like, what's going to happen? Let's try. I'm not going to run the 40 minutes mm -hmm. and then let's see what happens tomorrow. And like, you have to just challenge that deep fear inside you. That's saying you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. Um, just for the purposes of time, we would love to get to, before we do rapid fire to end, we would just love to get like three quick um, pieces of advice from you in regards to um, people who have gotten so much insight from you today, but are, what are three things that people can take away in, in regards to next steps? If they are trying to start their like mental health journey, uh, kind of getting better with their well, mental well-being, what are three kind of tangible things that they can do at home? Um, to get them started before they maybe seek some help out or, or just trying to get into it, you know, in an early way. 
Yeah, so I'd say the first piece is going to be that self-awareness, right? And, and really kind of some understanding. So, you know, that we talked about the brain's negative bias. Um, you know, they can listen to this podcast. Uh, we have a video on, on YouTube, uh, on our SoccerSense YouTube channel about why the brain lowers performance, but just get some education to understand how the brain works, right? That 80% of our thoughts are negative. Like that's huge. If that is the mm -hmm. first thing we get like, okay, I understand this is why it's a challenge, why it comes to me. That's kind of step one. So then it's like, okay, if I was going to say step two, that obviously it would be ideally to go and talk to someone who's trained to help you, who's got some ideas and strategies. But let's say somebody's not there, right? They're kind of like, what do I do? I would learn about breathing. I would go on YouTube and I would learn about deep breathing and go, okay, watch a lot of videos, get an app, Calm or Headspace. Um, you can I go to sleep free... to Calm every night. <laughs> yeah, yep. right. You get a free trial version. And just learn some strategies like breathing, mindfulness, meditation, all those things that I'll be honest, I was totally skeptical on, thought it was like just not true because I live in California. I'm like, all my friends are like, so dude, you're like that California psychologist. This is great, dude. You guys all sit around <laughs> and like breathe and meditate and stuff. So I was kind of like slow to the party, right? But those things really work. So getting those resources. So if you know about the brain's negative bias, you learn about breathing meditation, you're kind of like, okay. You're starting to feel some shifts and getting more control of yourself. Um, and then that last part that I would recommend would be, um, there's a lot of great, wonderful books. Uh, the Feeling Good Workbook, um, Mind Over Mood, is if you don't have a lot of resources, get a workbook or even just go on Pinterest. There's so many things about how, just like I talked about, it's like how to write down your thoughts, how to sort of challenge them, and then replace them with more accurate thoughts. We'll get a list from you for sure then in that yeah. case. And maybe we can attach it with the pod and yeah. just give people, you know, some recommendations in regards yeah. to things they can order and yeah. work through. I think that would be really you great. Know, and maybe one thing I would add to that is it's so important to be community, right? That, that we know that one of the biggest predictors of wellness and success and performance even is really having a good social support network. So trying to Absolutely. find people you can lean on who can help you. And, and I, I wish I would have mentioned that earlier, but that's huge huge. So just find one person you can talk to and share it with would absolutely be in that top three. We put that maybe about writing your thoughts down as number four. That would be my number three. I love that. That's awesome. I feel like there's so much just great information to glean from this entire pod. I mean, I just want every college kid, I want every, you know, youth kid to listen to it. Um, so I can't wait for this to come out, but we'd like to end the pods with a little bit of rapid fire. Are you down? I'm down. Let's do it. All right. All right. Your favorite coffee drink. I don't drink coffee. Ah! Okay. okay. What's the number one drink? What's your go-to? Some I'm California a, stuff. I'm a water go-to guy. A water okay. go-to. You know we what's a brand? Do you have a if brand? I, if, that's Carrie Ricardo. That's Carrie Ricardo's answer as well. Water. He's a water, water girl. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, a Modella guy. If it's like uh, you know, we can enjoy myself, but it's uh, it's yeah, it's water. Nice. Okay. okay. <laughs> Describe yourself in three words. Open. caring, uh, goofy. Yeah. I love those. Your favorite team to play back in the day. Oh, like, okay. UVA. Ha, back yeah. in the day, Virginia. Go who's baby. Yeah, back in the day, yeah, we Virginia, had a good team. Like you had Bruce Arena. You know, mm -hmm. Virginia, yeah. it's, they were Don't so worry. Good. We see all they their were, national titles. 
they were like the Barcelona. <laughs> Still searching for right? and, and honestly, like that, that was a team that, that was the biggest game of my life. My senior year, I got some you know, significant starts. I got to play against Virginia. Um, and, and we went into double overtime and lost three to yeah. two. Oh. It was, it was awesome. Um, so that, 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 uh, team was the, the nemesis. That's uh, awesome. High school, it would be your Raleigh Sanderson. Yeah. Team. <laughs> Go Spartans. All right. Your current favorite takeout. Um, favorite, you know, um, there's a place near my house called Los Primos. We got some pretty good Mexican. It's my right. favorite, but pretty good. All right. Okay, Television great. show you've recently binged. Oh, that's good. You know what I am totally digging is a modern family. I'm probably yeah. the last people to get that. <laughs> it is awesome. That I'm is our first like, response you know, for that one. I, I'm always yeah. like, what's the funniest show? that I can watch that's like light and not going to be heavy. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, that's it. One of your favorite teammates that you ever played with? Wow, God, these are good questions, man. My favorite teammates? Gosh, um, I was there five years. I had Mono my junior year. So I've been so fortunate. So many awesome. Um, man, God. Um, I, I won't say favorite because I had a lot, but, but mm -hmm. one of my so close friends, uh, Steve Gilmore, redhead Gilly from Philly. I'll tell you a quick <laughs> story. This guy was all American lacrosse and in, in, in soccer and in, 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 in lacrosse and mm -hmm. football, never wore his pads. And he came on his recruiting trip to stay with me, the guy from North Carolina. My roommate was from South Carolina. Uh -huh. And Jay, I was like, why did you put him? I go, we can't understand half the stuff he says. <laughs> um, he's one of my good, you know, good, good friends today. So he, he's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you well, thank so, you. so much. We appreciate Excellent. it. This awesome. was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for all, all you do. And, um, you know, for your listeners, they want to learn more about us too. Uh, soccer resilience, uh, com have a ton of things. We have this awesome thing. We made an online library resource center videos, everything else that's, um, on our website, you can go to soccer. Resilience. We even have a demo. You can check it out. It's like a hundred dollars for the year for one, for a family. And That's for awesome. Team, it's 300 bucks. So we really price it in a way to help. Um, we'd love to help. We have a lot of free resources on our website because I know for a lot of people who don't have the resources right now. Um, yeah. And just thank you both for we what you're plug doing. You and there's not days enough people spreading that information. So thank you. To, to Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so needed. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. Well, what a great conversation with Dr. Miller. Um, gosh, so much to take away from that conversation. I feel like mental health is such an important topic, but also um, something that we all need to take um, advantage of when it comes to resources and making a priority in our life. We have a really special guest coming on next. Uh, it's Bethany Balser, a former Rookie of the Year, um, kind of just made her mark in the league when she's coming in, kind of, you know, out of nowhere, actually. She was great. Um, and I'm sure she'll have a lot of candid things to tell us in regards to her life in the NWSL. Uh, so tune in next week and uh, let's keep these conversations going.